Hello and welcome to the latest Eccentric Earth minisode. This episode, we're going to be talking about Richard Granger. The world will little note no longer remember what we say, but it can never forget what they did. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Richard Granger was born in Highfriars Lane in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in 1797 to Thomas Granger and Amelia Burt a quayside porter and a seamstress respectively. As a child, he attended St Andrew's Charity School in Newgate Street and became an apprentice carpenter at the age of 12. His father died when he was just 13 years old, which led to his mother supporting the family with odd jobs such as washing and glove making. In 1816, at the age of 20, Richard started in business as a builder in partnership with his brother George, who had trained as a bricklayer. Shortly after this, however, George died and Richard continued the business alone. His first important contract was in 1819, to build a group of houses in Higham Place for Alderman Batson, a prominent Methodist. Through Batson's influence, he came into contact with various leading men in the town. Through these connections, Richard met Rachel Arundel, the daughter of a wealthy leather merchant. They married, and he received a dowry of 5,000, and the couple went on to have 13 children together, six sons and seven daughters. Between 1824 and 1826, Richard built a large part of Eldon Square, a public space in Newcastle that is home to a war memorial, where the city holds its Remembrance Day celebrations even to this day. During this time, he also worked on a large number of houses in the newly widened Blackett Street, one of the main city centre streets in Newcastle, which was designed by Thomas Oliver. In 1827, Richard built St Mary's Place, which was designed by John Dobson, opposite the church of St Thomas the Martyr, which Dobson had recently completed. In 1829, Richard began work on Lee's Terence, Lee's Crescent and Lee's Place, all designed by Thomas Oliver and aimed at middle-class tenants. In 1832, he completed building the Royal Arcade at the foot of Pilgrim Street. This was an impressive, elegant building intended as the commercial and shopping centre. Unfortunately, it did not succeed in this role due to its remoteness from the town centre and was eventually demolished in the 1960s to make way for the Pilgrim Street roundabout. Up until 1834, Richard had been limited to building individual blocks of buildings, but had become a rich man, owning property worth £200,000. However, in 1831, George Anderson died. Anderson was the owner of Anderson Place, a house and grounds on the north end of town, inside the town walls, and on his death, the land became available for development. Richard's first step was to buy the Anderson Place from the executors of the estate for £50,000, as well as other additional property for £45,000, but he could not afford to finance the development himself. In 1834, he presented a comprehensive development plan to the town council. Dobson had already submitted a similar plan to the council previously and been rejected, so Richard needed someone with influence to encourage the council to accept the new plan. 
he was advised to move his legal account to the solicitor's firm run by John Clayton, the town clerk. Clayton became Robert's advocate and advisor, and the council adopted his scheme within just two months. There were objections to the scheme on the grounds that it would involve the demolition of the Theatre Royal in Mosley Street and the Flesh Market, which was less than 30 years old at the time. Granger countered these objections by offering to build a new Theatre Royal and a new meat and vegetable market instead. The plan, covering a 12-acre site, was for commercial and shopping area based on three main thoroughfares, Gray Street, Granger Street and Clayton Street, leading to the lower part of town. The triangle formed by these streets contained the Central Exchange, originally intended as a corn market but rejected by the council. The new meat market was placed between Granger Street and Clayton Street, with the new vegetable market on the northwest side of Clayton Street. Popular with the public already, a dinner was held in his honour before the latest project even began. At the dinner, Richard was presented with a number of expensive gifts, including a silver salver valued at 130 guineas, and a full-length portrait of himself. Work began in 1834, and by late 1835 the new meat market, which was later named the Granger Market, and contained 180 butcher shops, was finished, as well as the vegetable market on the other side of Clayton Street. The rest of the scheme was completed in 1839. It comprised nine streets, ten inns, twelve public houses, 325 shops, with homes attached, and 40 private houses. The jewel of the scheme was Grey Street, which curves to the left as it sweeps downhill towards Dean Street. Part of the way down, the sweep is interrupted by the projecting portico of the Theatre Royal, built to replace the old Theatre Royal and designed by John and Benjamin Green. At the top of Grey Street, Richard placed the Column of Grey's monument as a focus for the whole scheme. Richard had plans for a new Guildhall and court at the top of Grey Street, above the Theatre Royal, but these were rejected and he built a large bank there instead. The whole scheme costs £646,000. The high costs were because the buildings were constructed of high quality materials and faced with stone. They were provided with water closets and sewers and Richard had the streets lit with gas and the road surfaced macadamised. John Dobson is given much of the credit for the detailed designs, but other architects also made significant contributions, especially Thomas Oliver and John and Benjamin Green. With the completion of his major scheme for central Newcastle, Richard looked for another project to work on. In 1839, he paid £114,000 for the Ellswick estate to the west of Newcastle, intending to build a railway terminus there surrounded by factories and houses. Unfortunately, the project would not go ahead. The expense of buying the estate almost bankrupted Richard, and by 1841, his creditors were demanding payment. Fortunately, he was saved from bankruptcy by John Clayton, who persuaded Richard's creditors to accept gradual repayments instead. Richard was now forced to live a more modest lifestyle. The Riverside section of the Ellswick estate was sold to William Armstrong for a new armaments factory. Richard built a number of streets of terraced houses in Benwale and Ellswick for the workers of Armstrong's factories and named several of them using the forenames of his 13 children. Despite his financial difficulties in later years, Richard was still beloved by the public and tributes continued to flow in. William Howitt wrote about him in 1842 saying, You walk into what has long been termed the coal hole of the north and you find yourself in a city of palaces. 
a fairy tale of newness, brightness, and elegance. And who has wrought this change? It's Mr. Granger. Richard died in 1861 at his home in Clayton Street West, and is buried at St. James's Church in Benwell. At his death, his debts were totaled at £128,582, and his personal estate amounted to only £16,000. Richard Granger was described as a financial risk-taker and ruthless businessman. At the height of his career, he employed over 2,000 employees. When a large number of his employees went on strike, he employed 600 new apprentices the very next day. When the strike was over, Richard refused to let them all return to work and was able to pick and choose which employees he would accept. Despite radically changing Newcastle, in the 1960s, in a push for modernisation, most of Eldon Square and about a quarter of the original scheme created by Richard were demolished to make way for modern buildings. However, much remains, including Grey Street, which was voted England's finest street in 2005 in a survey of BBC Radio 4 listeners. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find our social media at Twitter by going to at eccentric underscore earth. Our Facebook is www.facebook.com forward slash eccentric earth. And our Instagram is at eccentric underscore earth. Our show is available on all major podcast providers and on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and please leave us a review. If you want to get in contact with us for any future episode suggestions or to give us any feedback, our email address is eccentricearth at outlook.com. We're also part of the Britpod Scene Network, which is full of amazing British podcasts, so please go check them out. Thank you for joining us for this episode, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you.